As we all know, one of the major issues hoteliers are facing today is labor. Today we're talking with Robert Cole, President and CEO of HVMG. Find out how he is tackling the labor issue and other operational challenges. Thanks for joining. Uh, Robert Cole, HVMG, thank you for joining me. Uh, this is great, this is gonna be fun. You look good. Not as good as you, Teague. Uh, I'm you jealous. Know, you're hilarious, you're hilarious. It's all the Pelotoning. <laughs> um, so, Robert, so Robert, one thanks for coming on. We're doing a bunch together these days. But uh, what I wanna talk about is sort of, I, I think all the stuff hitting us in operations. You guys are one of the premier managers, uh, hotel operators in the industry. And I think that's a very important cog to what's happening right now, all the stuff everybody knows about labor and uh, supply chains and all of the stuff that's being a real issue. So that's what I wanna talk about. Sure. Uh, however, I gotta start as I do with everyone, uh, of sort of how you got into this business and what's your story. And yours I love, and at the risk of uh, you know saying that we've all been around a while, you, you've got at least three lives in this industry that I'm aware of. So tell me, give me your story, give me the background, tell me how you got here. And then we'll dive into the what's happening today stuff. No, I appreciate it. And then for those that know me or know us a little bit, they you know this will be a little bit redundant or repetitive. But to make a very long story short, um, I literally grew up in the in the back then it was called the motel business. Uh, my mom and dad were when I was born, they had a small ten unit motel as it was called back then in Western New York and. Uh, winding the clock forward. It's, uh, you know, as I grew up, uh, I learned quickly how to cut the grass and clean the pools and or pool and, and clean a room. And I certainly couldn't do it then. I can't do it now in the 25 minutes or so that we all require. But uh, so, you know, it's in the blood, it's in the DNA, so to speak. I ended up um, even in high school working at restaurants like Steak and Ale and Ponderosa and, and all of that as a busboy dishwasher. Went to college, uh, got a degree in hotel administration at University of New Hampshire because I wasn't smart enough or had enough money to, to get into Cornell. And, um, you know, got out of school and, and was a worked my way up to be a general manager at multiple hotels throughout the late 80s and, and then the early 90s. Uh, I formed a company called Impact Hotel Group. Uh, we grew that uh, from one to 55 hotels throughout the 90s. Uh, we ended up merging with another company uh, at that point. Um, uh, so now that's live one, live two, live two as you call it. Uh, that that company became Logian. So uh, the company we merged with and, and Impact uh, collectively had about 140 hotels. I think we were the third largest owner operator at the time. Uh, this was 1998, and um, I learned pretty quickly uh, that at that point we were in the public market because the company we merged with was a public company. And uh, I learned pretty quickly on as a, you know, I love doing deals, but I'm an operator at heart, and I missed that part of the business, uh, being the CEO of a, a public hotel company, and uh, uh, ended up leaving Logian in 2001 to form HBMG with no hotels. So it's always fun to form a company with no properties. So um, I brought a handful of folks with me from, uh, from Logian and, and my Impact Hotel Group days. And together, uh, slowly but surely, we built up the company from one to three to 10 to, you know, winding clock forward to where we are today at, at 50, 56 hotels, I believe today. Uh, and uh, I think we're in 17 states, just under around 9,000 rooms under management. We have ownership interest in about half of our hotels, a little less than half. 
And uh, so that's it. Um, that's my story and, and I'll stick to it. <laughs> can, can you imagine, think about it. So I, we, we had our lodging experience. I mean, I, you know what I think selfishly, our, my first big portfolio transaction was done uh, with lodging. So it's fun. You and a lot of other people. <laughs> I know. No, they, they unraveled that thing pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's my point. Can you imagine, I, you know, in 2001, when you start, you leave as the head of a publicly traded company with uh, a bunch of assets and a real entity to be nothing. Right. And flash forward, okay, it's been 20 years, but flash forward today, would you imagine that your company would be around, one, be the size that you are, 50-something hotels, and that the previous company would no longer exist? Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, unfortunately, uh, I wish it didn't work out that way because even when I left Lodging, I think I was like the third or fourth largest shareholder of the company oh, yeah. at the time. And so certainly didn't like the way that ended up. But, you know, you 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 move on and, and don't cry or spilled milk, so to speak. And, you know, I think we built we, we we've learned what I've, I try to do is that, you know, try to replicate all the things or the things that you did excellently and then learn from all of the things, the many things that you didn't do so excellent. And so I think, you know, we continue to, one of the things that we do internally with HVMG is all the time, we, you know, kind of always internalize, like, what can we do better? What, where do, what, where's our room for improvement? And um, so certainly uh, there's some things I learned at Impact and Lodging that, that, you know, you bring to the table here. And uh, it was a good learning experience. It wasn't so great financially uh, at the time, but you know, especially after what happened with Logian, but certainly uh, we've rebounded and recovered and, and had a lot of help here building a nice, you know, nice little mid-sized company that we're all pretty proud of for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry to bring up bad subjects. No, that's okay. Uh, that's it, it's, we learned a lot. It was good. It was good. I, I, I listen, I think a lot, I think HVMG is a credit to your leadership. So to your point, everything you learned there, I think you built a great company. So cheers to you. Oh, thank you, Teague. You too. And you got, you know, you 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 come from a similar family background as well. So you can relate to the whole DNA thing, right? In the genes. I think there's a lot of us in this industry that yeah. came about it uh, the old fashioned way where we grew up in it. And yeah. this, so this is what we do. I don't I'm not saying I didn't have another choice, but this is where we ended up. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I've loved it. I've been very fortunate to to you know, be where we are and have this entity to come do it every day. And I'm sure, and a lot of us feel the exact same way. So I'll throw you in that boat too. Absolutely. No, you're right. There is a lot of us that's second, even some, some of us that are third generation, uh, yes. you know, certainly a, a lot of that in the business. And I think that's, that speaks highly to, I think, you know, this, this industry itself is a truly, whether it's genetically a family business or even team members who aren't part of your, it's, it is a family business, right? I mean, you have, all, you know, we're, yes, we're, we have bricks and mortar and we're in the real estate business, but at the end of the day, we are really in the talent and people and relationship business. And that, I think that's where the, the family kind of camaraderie and, and the importance of that, you know, family connection, I think drives a lot of us and trying to run a company uh, as if all of your team members were family members, that that's always a goal. And, and that that's a philosophy of ours for sure. Yeah. So, so do that. I mean, I, you know, there's the corporate office, but I don't know, we're 30 ish, uh, team members. How, how many team members do you have? Well, it, across the whole platform or portfolio, we probably got, uh, close to, uh, 3000, right. Um, about 55 at the corporate office here in Atlanta. 
so yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's trying for sure. So how do you make three thousand team members feel like part of the family? Ah, uh, great question. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, as I said, you know, one of our values is talent. You know, we value talent, and that's you can see it on our website and and you know everything that we do around you know ensuring that not only are we hiring the right people and, and we put them through a process and but we also focus as much time and attention on retention right it doesn't do you much good to hire a star employee or associate at any level and then three months six months nine months down the road they walk out the door to a competitor or leave leave the industry altogether like we all saw through the pandemic so we focus a lot on retention and you know what can we do to you know make sure that not just be competitive on a compensation and benefit standpoint but you know, we always, you know, you read almost all wage surveys or, or associates, you know, morale surveys and, you know, who their boss is typically is 1A or 1B on the list of their importance. You know, compensation is right there, but certainly uh, who somebody's boss is, is probably the number one indicator of retention and, and job satisfaction. So it's very important to us as, as we hire, whether it's a general manager or if it's another department head or a corporate team leader, is that um, that we're you know we're putting the you know we're putting the right leaders at the hotels so that they can implement and follow through on all of the people and talent you know initiatives that we have as an organization because you know as we say a hundred times here in Atlanta you know we can't run the hotels from Atlanta. You know, the cash registers are in the field, as Mr. Marriott said so eloquently decades ago. I mean, Teague, honestly, it really comes down to having the right general manager. You want to, you know, boil it down, all of that, all, all of what I just said. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we call them CEOs in our company internally because they're, they're really, general manager really does a disservice, the title to our, to those folks and what they do. Um, you know, they are a chief executive. They have to manage up, they have to manage down, they got to deal with owners, they got to deal with management companies, brands, associates, their community, um, the guests, of course. And so it's a very difficult position and one that, uh, you know, we don't take lightly as we recruit and, and work to retain those folks. The labor shortfall and the talent shortfall is by far the number one issue we're all facing in the industry. Yeah, you know what, I, I'm going to, piggyback off of that. And you said you learned a bunch of stuff, even back lodging days, but what have you learned or dare I say, how, how is this sort of pandemic, but how is this global downturn, whatever issue different from the previous ones, whether it's 9-11, whether it's the GFC, uh, how has this been different? Yeah. No, I, you know, I get asked that all the time because people recognize how old I am. So, you know, it's like, okay, Robert, you've been through a couple of these, you know, what have you learned or what, what are your takeaways from the pandemic? And, and yeah, I've been through three major downturns, all different, but I can tell you um, from a sheer, nothing could come close to what we all went through and, and in a lot of ways still going through just because of the sheer suddenness of what happened. Like literally one night or one week, you're running 70% occupancy and the next week you're running 9% or the two, you know, so that, you know, through all the down, you know, none, nothing occurred like what occurred so suddenly and there was no end in sight. Like when we got into April and May and even early June, it's like, you know, it was, you know, we were all kind of numb, right, as an industry. 
So certainly, you know, you learn and, and you, you know, there's steps we all took that we, we took internally in terms of cutting costs. We had to make some very drastic decisions when it came to, you know, retaining associates and benefits and, and cost cutting measures just to keep the hotels open. And, you know, we had to stop the ship from sinking. And uh, so that's one thing I learned through the other downturns is, you know, Again, goes back to what we talked about earlier, Teague, where you, you really got to focus on things you can control. We certainly couldn't control COVID. We couldn't control the travel patterns of guests, but we certainly could control our P&L and our costs. And, and we had to make some tough decisions where tears were shed and, and people that you had relationships with for, for years and decades that you, you, know, you had to make some tough decisions. And that's what I believe we learned through other downturns is you know, you, you, you have to recognize where you're at and focus on the things you can control. And that's what we did. What, what, what other changes do you think you have to make? And, and what are those? And I'm thinking breakfast uh, and, and amenities and, and daily maid service or housekeeping service, excuse me. Uh, and what are those things you think will remain permanent? And what do you think will ship back? Yeah, I think there'll be a combination. Certainly, I'll give credit to, to the brands. You know, it's always, there's always a little bit of a tug of war that goes on between, you know, the franchisee and the franchisor community when it comes to standards and breakfast standards and amenities and housekeeping requirements. And I will say for the most part, uh, the brands were, you know, recognized very early on that they had to cut back and make some sacrifices to their amenities, their standards and their requirements. And now things are starting to ease back a little bit, but certainly, you know, I think that's where the rubber is going to meet the road, so to speak, where it was a no brainer 18 months ago to, to, to cut breakfast, eliminate breakfast and, and only offer housekeeping service upon request and, and, you know, all those things. And, and now it's like, you know, especially as rates are going up, right? There's a little bit of a, you know, average rate in the industry. Everybody thought that occupancy would bounce back before rate. And it's been the exact opposite where our ADR, I know as a company, uh, I think last month, uh, we were, we're up $7 over 2019 ADR levels. And I, I don't know that anybody in, by 2022 early said, hey, ADR is not only going to recover, it's going to be exceeding 2019. So, so the brands are recognizing that as well. And they're saying, okay, well, maybe we need to, maybe there's some things we need to, we better do to start ensuring that the guests are getting value for that higher ADR. And that's where the give and take is going on right now in terms of breakfast and, and other amenities that were rolled back or cut out. Now, what has to be brought back? Well, why do you think the rates going up so quickly? Uh, how much of that is inflation related? Well, I, I think it's up until recently, I don't think any of it was was truly inflationary. I think a lot of it was uh, driven by, you know, who the customer is today, right? Um, a lot of folks who used to travel internationally for leisure are, are staying in the States. And, um, and I think there's, a, I think our industry got smarter. You know, I think we realized that, hey, you know, some of that business is, is any last, I'm trying to go back to my economy class, economics class in college, but it's inelastic, right? Where price isn't necessarily going to drive demand. And people are, listen, they're, you know, we saw it in our Florida resorts pretty early on that, you know, up, up to a certain point anyway, people are going to pay almost whatever to, to go and get away and go, go to the beach or, or go to the lake or whatever it might be. So 
I think that's that's our industry and the brands have gotten smarter, but it's also a function of who the guests are in the hotel today, right? It, it's it is a lot of leisure and it's a lot of weekend business and and you know over the holidays where where the demand just far outpaces supply on those key high pressure dates. So uh, we've seen the, you know, the cost of hotels and the construction costs uh, go up along with that rate. Yeah, um, maybe not the cap rate, but we've certainly seen that. And so how do you think all this stuff that you said impacts your investment dollars decisions? You know, it certainly is going to impact it. Um, we're seeing some pressure on, on margins a little bit right now where through the pandemic and even through 21, you know, where we were flexing, you know, as much as 70% of our revenue declined to the bottom line. And, you know, certainly that's not sustainable. 22, I think we'll see more pressure on margins. Wages are definitely higher. Inflation's driving up food cost and supply cost and the supply chain issues you mentioned. So I think we're back now, you know, to certainly, you know, pre-pandemic, you would target at least a between a 50 and 60% flow through of your increase in revenue, the bottom line. And uh, I think, you know, that's probably... A, uh, a realistic approach on the increase over, you know, 22 revenue over 21, um, because we're, we're having to add back costs and add back labor that, you know, was artificially low in, in 20 and 21. Do you, couple bunch of questions. Do you think you can, how much of that do you think you can pass on to the consumer, i.e. raising rates? If you're still in a, in a market where you're heavily reliant on, you know, the, the, the road warrior, the business traveler, the heavy, you know, group and convention business, I think you're going to have a hard time pushing that cost on to the customer. But if you're in Miami, Florida, or, or pick a city in Florida or pick a, pick a coastal city, uh, I think it's going to be a lot easier to pass on those costs. You know, it's a feast or famine situation we're in right now. We got, again, I mentioned the ADR as a company. Yeah, we're up $7 over 19, which is terrific, but we still got probably, a, you know, at least half of our portfolio is still, you know, significantly down in RevPAR to 19, right? And then we got the other half that's way up over 19, especially in rate. So you can't just paint with a broad brush and say, oh yeah, you know, we're budgeting this year our rev par to be within 1% of 2019, 1.2%. But I, I wish that was every hotel, right? right. We're, we're gonna have hotels down 15 or 20% to 19, and we're hotels that are gonna be up double digit versus 19. It's it's all over the board, depending on the market uh, that, that you're in at that point. So it's certainly more than ever, we are in a street corner business. Get, get a little granular with me. What, what trends are you noticing? Obviously you've mentioned some of them, but the leisure versus the road warrior, but how about the business traveler and the urban core versus convention? Uh, you notice any difference with full service versus select or with any certain brands or give me some trends that you're noticing. We're definitely seeing more signs of positive indicators of group business than we are that corporate traveler, that road warrior. Interesting. That's probably the first time I've heard that. Uh, any trends you're seeing there in the group, whether it's big group, you know, in, in a uh, citywide or whether it's a smaller, I don't know, suburban or something, any trends you're seeing there? Yeah, the latter. Certainly, you know, Smurf, Smurf started coming back last year. Um, so that's still, you know, the, the social business and we're starting, you know, weddings and, and group business, sports teams, all of that is, is probably on par 
you know, if not ahead of 19, obviously the, the citywide that you mentioned and, and big, you know, corporate group business is still certainly lacking. So we're starting, we're, we're seeing at least throughout our portfolio, um, some business groups being booked, but they're not the big, you know, they're not taking up the whole hotel. So we're, we're, we're getting calls or, Hey, I, you know, I need 30 rooms and it's a, a smaller corporate meeting could be a training session or whatever. But uh, so we're starting to see signs of that coming back. And especially as we get into the latter part of the spring of 22 and, and as we get into the, the summer and fall of 22, we're starting to see more and more of that. So uh, interesting. Let me change topics on us a little bit. But one of the one of the trends that I think that we're seeing in this space, one, as you've alluded to, but the operations is becoming tricky. It's becoming a lot more complicated than it was pre-pandemic. Uh, labor shortages, all of the above, everything you've alluded to has been a, been a real issue. Uh, what we're seeing is how that translates is a lot of the traditional sort of owner operators are tired of it. And it's been two years now and they're like, we're not doing this anymore. We don't want to do it. And there's a couple of reasons there. And so therefore one, they're saying, I'm going to turn this over to third party management yep. uh, or I'm just going to sell because and just be a developer. And we're going to build stuff and we're going to sell it. I do think one anecdotally, they're now no longer building just sort of that 100 room Hampton Inn limited service hotel. They're building these big mega F&B outlet, rooftop, everything, lots of bit venues. Sometimes the F&B is revenue is as much as the room's revenue. And, and that's a lot more complicated than what they were used to operating. Are you seeing a lot of that? those trends? Yeah, we are certainly. Um... And listen, it, it's you're not you don't have to be rocket scientists to figure out that scalability and 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 size does help in certain ways. And certainly, um, I I tip my hat to those operators that have you know ten or twelve or fifteen hotels because that that's that's a brutal business model. That's hard, right? You know, to attract talent, keep talent, you know, uh, be competitive with with you know resources and. You know, so, you know, you, you got to reach a certain size and scale to do that. And, you know, and and so one of the things and we've said it, I think there's a differentiator for us is that we like the size we're at. We added 24 hotels since the pandemic started. And and we also seen owners take money off the table. And, and a lot we've seen several hotels that were sold and, you know, that we have a saying in terms as we work ourselves out of a job. You know, I don't want to be, you know, 500 hotels. You know, I like our size. You know, I'm not saying we wouldn't grow more. Certainly, uh, you know, if we got up to 75 or 80 properties, it will certainly, uh, um, you know, it, it keeps us well positioned where we can have all the resources and infrastructure that much, much bigger companies have. Yet we're still small enough where we can maintain excellent relationships with our with our key stakeholders, our brands, our owners, our general managers. All right. So give me give me your 22 sort of outlook. I mean, you know, you you projecting significantly improved uh, revenues, rates. Uh, what are the headwinds between inflation, interest rates, this labor stuff? Is that going to stay along forever? I mean, give me your thoughts, please. Yeah, it's all you know. Like I said, I mean, we we are certainly uh, you know we're 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 on, we're erring to the side of being optimistic in twenty two. You know, obviously, you you mentioned some headwinds that could happen. You you know, you talk about what's going on over in Ukraine and you talk about inflation and you talk about the talent shortfall and the supply chain issues, they all could certainly uh, have a, 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 you know, create some headwinds on, on the industry growth and our growth. So, 
you know, I, I still think that 22 won't quite capture uh, or claw back to where we were in 19 from a revenue and REPAR standpoint. I think that'll occur uh, sometime in 23. And, and we certainly think that average rate will be higher in 22 versus 19 uh, across our portfolio. And uh, if you ask me our biggest operational challenge right now, it's the talent piece. I mean, it's certainly <clears throat> making sure that we have enough folks at the property to clean the rooms and to obviously service the guests as the food and beverage amenities come back. It's, it is, you know, it's, if you ask any of our team members from an ops standpoint, by far the number one concern yes we're worried about inflation and you worry about interest rates to some extent but it is making sure that you know we are staffed up and ready uh as the ramp up occurs and and that's you know that is something that's keeping us all up at night for sure yeah how one how are you fixing that and how long do you think it's that's here with us i it, you know i think it's been here a while we have for for many different reasons people left our industry out of necessity, out of frustration, out of whatever, and away just pure economics. You know, when you got Walmart down the street, you know, putting up signs at $19 an hour, you know, to come work here or McDonald's or, you know, it, it's, you know, listen, our industry, our hourly positions, they're hard, right? You try cleaning, you know, 17 rooms in eight hours or, you know, dealing with guests that, you know, that, that, you know, the demands that, that our guests have in the, in the restaurant and the bar and, and, you know, the, the, our, you know, that's, you know, if you look at the kind of business that we currently have in our hotels, they're not low maintenance, right? If you think about it and they're willing to pay for those services, right? So we're getting the rate, but certainly the expectations, the bar has raised. And, you know, that to me is, you know that that's that's something that we are as i as i mentioned to you we we, we did try to get ahead of it with Tacoco and and we know that's not the end all be all answer we need to continue to you know be more competitive as it probably when it comes to wages and benefits and we need to be more creative when it comes to where do we source talent uh and through unconventional sources that we not used to have to do again we're hearing it over and over and over again and and it's why many of our operators are throwing their hands up saying I, we can't solve yep. this. And listen, and it could create a number of opportunities. You know, that's certainly, you know, you, that's what we've been talking about internally is that knowing this is going to be on the table for a long time, several months, if not years, you know, how do we turn a negative into a positive? I think that, I think that's going to separate sort of the winners and the losers. One of the many things that's out there, who's going to be able to figure that out faster and, and who's going to struggle with it. Right. So, uh, Robert, this has been great. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of yours or everybody else's time. But I can go all day, been, Teague. So all this day, is, I know. <laughs> I know. This is what we do, right? We just keep talking about all of it. Uh, but this has been great. Uh, cheers to you and your team. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Uh, appreciate everything that you're doing for the industry. And uh, and I will see you in a couple of weeks at the Hunter yeah. Conference. We'll be there. And thank you for your support. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll see you soon, buddy. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Teague. Thank you, buddy. See you. Bye-bye.